That's Boomer, and this is Louie, and this is the Baseball Spy Podcast for Wednesday, November 27th, 2019. Boomer, how's it going? Louie, it is... We are in the midst of a free agency binge right now. This just in, the Rangers and Rob Snyder have agreed to a minor league deal. Ooh, there you go. It's heating up. The hot <laughs> stove is heating up. You know, I do have to say, though, the, the free agency um, hot stove, free agency market, whatever you want to call it, uh, this year has been a little um, more interesting at this point in the offseason than it has been the last couple of years. I mean, uh, Jose Abreu got extended by the White Sox. They signed Yasmani Grandal. There's some mm-hmm. talk of maybe the Southsiders are getting a little better. So that's really good. Um, Jake Odorizzi is going back to Minnesota. Took the qualifying offer. Um, the Houston Astros acquired some uh, members of Drumline for the 2020 season. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think it's, you know, Wainwright back to the Cardinals for a year. Um, you know, there's some good stuff happening already, which I think is great. Um, the Braves have made a bunch of uh, additions. Well, they re-signed Darren O'Day. They, yeah. Um, they had traded for Chris Martin from the Rangers and got him. Um, you know, they're they're making some moves trying to shore up their 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 bullpen. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of fringe, triple A guys, big league guys. We call them in in the industry four A, meaning right. too good for triple A, but not good enough to stick in the big leagues. And you see guys like that. JD Martinez was once was once that guy, yeah, and broke out in a very big way in his age twenty seven or twenty eight season. So those guys, they do. Every team has information on them. Every team scouts those kind of players. Right now, we're seeing a ton of those guys sign on minor league deals with spring training invites. Josh Harrison just did that with the Phillies. He's had a lot of success in the past. Um, AJ Cole and the Blue Jays, they did that. Uh, teams are, are trying to get rid of guys off their 40-man roster. Uh, they had to set their 40-man rosters for the Rule 5 draft um, right. this past week. Uh, the Rule 5 draft will be coming up, and that, that should be interesting. We'll, we might take more more in-depth look into that uh, before the winter meetings. But, um, you know, right now, um, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a flurry of activity. Grandel, I think, was is the biggest one, though, right? That's Yeah, I, I think he's... You know, he's definitely an upgrade for them at that position. Well, I, I think offensively, James yes, McCann had a great year. He did, but I, I think offensively, it's an upgrade. Uh, defensively, you know, people talk about Grandal being this great defensive catcher. He's not. Um, you saw it two years ago in the postseason. He's kind of a butcher back there. Uh, the metrics, uh-huh. which I think catching metrics are complete nonsense. Um, there's just too many other factors that go into it to grade out a catcher without watching him play. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what metrics are trying to do. They're trying to eliminate the the necessity to watch the game. Right. So I think he's a butcher back there. But offensively, he's he's good. And that team needs to do something. That team has been terrible. That division is awful. The worst division in baseball. Like, go spend the money and make it happen. They re-signed Abreu. Not for not a ton of money. I think it comes out to about sixteen a year, which mm. is great. Um, you know, Grandal will be a, an addition offensively. They got some good young pitching. 
you know, it, it's time to make a move. They I mean, need that, another that, pitcher. Yeah. I mean, that city will always be a Cubs city. It, it just always will be. But when the White Sox are really good, people actually go to that ballpark. And it at least makes the summer more in, more entertaining. There's better banter between the fans. It just it makes for a better summer in Chicago when both teams are good. And I think the White Sox are moving in that direction. I think I still think they're a long way off, but at least they're, they're in the right division, like you said. I right, mean, like take advantage of the fact that you're going to play. Not getting better. No, Minnesota just lost all their coaching staff. Yeah, about that. <laughs> so. Uh, I don't know if Cleveland or if Minnesota can replicate some of the years some of their guys had uh, career years. I think there's regression that's going to happen with that team. Um, Kyle Gibson just signed with the Rangers, so he just right. left yep. Minnesota. That he, he was a big starter in that uh, big clog in that starting rotation. So yeah, I think the White Sox is wide open. Remember, Tim Anderson led the league in batting average this year. Yeah. A fantastic year. Very quietly did that. Mm-hmm. Um, he really turned himself into an elite player. Um, he always had the tools, just putting it all yeah. together. See, I like McCann. I think I think what they're doing with Grandall and, and Abreu and McCann is they're going to rotate guys. You know, McCann and Grandall give him a true platoon yep. at the catching position. McCann was a bounce-back candidate and had a great year. I think he really developed that staff. Remember, this is a guy who was with the Tigers when they had four or five Cy Young guys. And he got to mature as a catcher with those great pitchers of Scherzer, Price, Verlander, so Purcello. And, um, you know, I think I just think that McCann is underrated. He's still signed for another year. Grandall, you like the offense a lot. Yeah, I think you, can, you could say objectively he's better than McCann, but mm-hmm. McCann is not a slouch. That's a very good two-headed monster they got. McCann was an all-star last year. Yeah, he had 273, 18 home runs, 60 RBIs, and 118 games. Leadership. Um, great leadership behind the dish. You yeah. can't measure that. No. Stats can't measure no, that. you can't. How you, the pace in which you call a game, the way that you handle your staff, the way you keep your staff positive. And, and you, you know, Lucas Giolito gives up a home run, and you go out there and have a conversation with him. Now you got to refocus him. That's part of the catcher's job, making sure the Astros don't steal your signs. That's part of the act. Sorry, am I just throwing salt on the wound? No, no, I think it's it's worth talking about. Well, while we're on the free agency uh, subject, uh, a couple big publications, USA Today and The Ringer and ESPN, have re- released their, their top guys and their predictions. Um, what, what do you see, in your opinion, where do you see guys like the top guys going? You got Garrett Cole, you got Steven Strasburg, you got Anthony Rendon. You got um, Zach Wheeler is another top guy. It's a pretty good class this year. I mean, when you're when the 60th best ranked free agent or 66th best ranked free agent is a guy that might get 3,000 hits. Yeah. Starling Castro, free agent. Um, it's a pretty deep class. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts right now on, on, on what to look for? Yeah, I think, well, Cole and Strasburg will be interesting. They're both Southern California guys. Um you know, there's talk about the Dodgers. There's talk about the uh, the Angels. Um, talk about even the Padres. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point, it's probably not a great move for the Padres to spend the money it's going to take to bring in either of those. I, I haven't heard much about Cole to San Diego, but Strasburg to San Diego, San Diego State guy. Um, I don't think it's probably in the Padres' best interest to fork over that kind of cash right now because that team could still be really bad. 
Um, and then you got a then you got a <laughs> you got a thirty million dollar uh, shortstop, a third baseman, and then you got a thirty five million dollar pitcher on a team that's going to win seventy three games again. Like, well, that might not be the best. Um, in, I mean, the, the GM might his job might be on the line here. He's been there a couple, I mean, couple of years, and they haven't should, made the I mean, playoffs. Should be. I mean, I, I mean, he's if he has the free reign to go out and do that, especially the money they gave Machado. I, I think they're going to be active. I think they're. Well, I think be they'll active. be active. I just and I think they may even do it. I just right. don't think, in my opinion, it's, it's probably the best move overall. There's something about the dot. I don't think the Dodgers are going to spend the kind of cash it's going to take to get Garrett Cole because I think that price is going to go up and up and up, and I think they'll be in the mix. I think they'll be one of the last teams at the end. But I think they'll get outbid and they'll hit a threshold and they'll just say, no, we're not doing it. Because I think it's going to get to the, you know, $35 million range over, you know, probably. It's probably going to be about 35 to $65 million too big of a deal for anybody mm-hmm. and probably about a year or two long for anybody. But you're going to have to pay the price. If you want Garrett Cole... This is the price. You're going to have to take an extra year or two that you're not going to want. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be happy with, and you're going to and you're going to have to pay dearly for those two extra years to get the deal done. We've seen it. I mean, all these deals that are done, the Harper deal, the Machado deal, they're all too long, and you're not going to be happy at the end of the deal. But hopefully, you've been happy during the mm-hmm. middle part of the deal. You know what's interesting though about when you look at the top free agent pitcher signings of all time. There's four guys. David Price is number one. Justin Verlander, his extension is number two. Max Scherzer, three. And Zach Greinke, four. Three of those four guys are still, you would say, aging well and producing value for what they got. I mean, Scherzer and Verlander are winning Cy Youngs. Greinke's still been in, I mean, he's, I think he's only got a year or two left. But for the most part, he was an elite guy for the Diamondbacks. Helped them get to the playoffs. Price has been the only one, but you know there's been injuries there, and right. that's so but that's part of the deal. Three out of the four, though, I think Garrett Cole, given his age, his physique, his stuff, you know, if he loses a little bit, he's a guy that sits 100 miles per hour. So now he's uh, he's now he's sitting 95. You know, it. I think he's gonna age well. I think you're gonna get a. I, I think you gotta go out and pay him if you're. And I'm looking at a couple teams right here. The Dodgers for sure, but they're not. I don't think they're going to like you said. And I think over on the East Coast, you're going to have the Phillies. They need to get him. They need a they need a number one. Jake Arrieta is not that guy anymore. They just paid for Bryce Harper. They're, they're all in. They just got Joe Girardi. And I think you're going to see the Yankees very active as well. I think they're one starting pitcher away from winning the World Series. And they could have maybe done it this year with Domingo Herman not been suspended. Uh, Luis Severino should be healthy back next year. Um, can you imagine that that um, that monster that rotation they'll have with James Paxton as as their three guy um, with Severino in there and 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 Garrett Cole? So uh, Strasburg is I don't think he's you know he's young, he's older by three years he's had more innings than Garrett Cole but the way he pitched this this postseason you're getting a guy right now that's ready to put you over the the top clearly so I don't know where he ends up. But I think the steal, the guy that might age the best, is 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 Rendon. I mean, he's the best offensive player 
in the in the free agency class by far. And he just is gonna hit. He's gonna hit for a long time. And I've I'm being really curious to see. He's from Texas. A lot of people are saying maybe the Rangers are gonna get in on that. That would be interesting for them moving into a new ballpark uh, next year. The Nationals obviously would love to re-sign him. I, I, it, it, that market's going to be very interesting. Yeah, I, I think. And going back to the Cole thing, I don't think he's not going to age well. What I'm saying is I think the deal is going to be so long, mm-hmm. there's no chance of every, anybody being happy with it at the end. I mean, I'm talking it might be a 8, 9, 10-year mm-hmm. deal. And I don't see Garrett Cole doing what he did this year eight years from now. No, it's not, no. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm not saying that three years from now you're not going to be happy with him. I'm yeah. talking about this deal I think is going to be so astronomically long because of the amount of money involved mm. that you're not going to be happy with it at the end. But if you win a couple of World Series over the course of the year, over the course of the years you have him, nobody cares. Just yeah. like you trade a bunch of prospects, they go hit 380 for another club. I don't care. We won a World Series. Um, Rondon will be interesting. I think it's weird is even though he played in the nation's capital, I think he got kind of lost. Um, and I think people got to see who he really is this off season. And I think that obviously will only help him. I think that'll be a humongous deal. That one, I'm not sure where he ends up. I could see him going back to Washington. Um, it'd be really interesting if the Astros signed him. Um, I don't think that's really going to happen. Um, but yeah, that one's an interesting one to me. The the other the other guys that are somewhat interesting and not from a like a huge impact. I think they're still impact players. But Donaldson had a really good year. Mm-hmm. Like, where does he end up? You got Bumgardner. Like, Castellanos hit sixty doubles. Here's Castellanos is another one. Like these guys are Ryu. Ryu. Um, you know I. It's really interesting because there's a lot of guys. Um, Didi Gregorius, who missed most last year because right. of Tommy John surgery, has been in very good, above average shortstop, mm-hmm. and has the pop um, to hit the ball, the ballpark. Benefited from playing in Yankee Stadium, but there's a shortstop. You know, I hear he might be the guy the Reds are looking at. You know, he originally signed with the Reds out of out of the Netherlands, umpteen million years ago, 10, 11, 12 years ago, but. Um, that's a guy. He's only thirty. Um, Daniel Hudson, who had a great postseason yeah. in the second half, is uh, Cole Hamels has always been Cole, a steady guy. Cole Hamels to me right now, I think a lot of teams are going to overlook him because he was, you know, had an okay year. Mm-hmm. And he's thirty five, but if he's willing to do a one or two year deal, which I think he said he is going, he's willing to do that on a team that's got a chance to contend. I think if you have a rotation where you could sign him and slide him in into like a three or a four spot, meaning your rotation is that sound and that good, Mm -hmm. I think he's got a chance to, one, have a really good year because keep in mind, it doesn't always happen this way, but you can line up starting pitching. if He's going to be better than pretty much anybody else's four Mm -hmm. out there. Yeah. So, you know, a team that I think should probably pursue that one, and they, I think, you know, I think they should do it this offseason, and it's three seasons too late or four seasons too late, but the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. I think he's a he's a Southern California guy. Um, I think he's a perfect fit in that rotation. I think they do need to go re-sign Ryu. I think Kershaw's only getting older. But if you throw in Bueller, Kershaw, Ryu, Hamels, 
And then you can make up that fifth spot with whatever you really want. If Urias finally gets into a starting role, which everybody thought he was going to be, um, you know, I think Cole Hamels is a great pickup for the Dodgers based on the fact that he can fit into that bottom part of the rotation. If you're looking for him to be your one or your two, or if if, if you sign Cole Hamels and he's starting for you on opening day, mm-hmm. that's not the right move. Right. You you sign the wrong player. Right. Um, and nothing against I think I think he's a perfect fit for a team that has that depth um, in that rotation. And, and Bumgarner can still pitch. And Bumgarner is he's another guy five years younger, right. yeah. and in and I think had a great year last year, and uh, probably wants to stay in the National League because he likes to hit. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean it's a benefit not only for him but for the club. He, I think Atlanta's a good fit for him. He's a, a South, South Carolina. South Carolina, yeah. Guy. He, he is North a true Carolina. and true country boy. Yeah, uh, you live out on the outskirts there in some forest. And the, they need a they need a Georgia. veteran starter. Keuchel is a free agent. You know they brought him in this year, but uh, the Braves definitely need a a guy like him. He's not going to be an ace. They don't necessarily need him to pitch like an ace. Um, you know, Soraka had an unbelievable year for them this year. Max Fried is a dynamite pitcher who. It's always been steadily improving, um, and they got some young young talent on the way. Ian Anderson is a, is a top prospect that should be in the big leagues maybe by next year. He's a future above average guy, maybe a number two. So the Braves are looking pretty good. They've they've done a lot of good work this offseason. Um, the, the guy that I'm really interested in, of course, we're interested here at the baseball spot. Starling Castro got got non tendered by the Marlins. Um, not happy with Miami for that. The fish, I thought he, you know, did a, had an excellent year last year, uh, with twenty two home runs, his career high. I mean, everybody had a career high home <laughs> in home runs last year, um, but you know, he's 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 on his way. He's marching towards three thousand hits. He showed that he could hit like the best of them when they moved him back right. to third base this year and on the left side of the infield. I'm just curious. I just I'm hoping a team. I'm looking at you, Detroit Tigers. That need a guy that that that's a veteran guy, one year deal that can have a good year, and maybe flip them in the before you go to the playoffs or for for a team that's going to the playoffs. The Tigers need a third baseman. They don't have anybody, so I, I'd say Tigers go after Starling Castro, get every day at bats, get get himself another hundred eighty hits, hundred seventy five hits. Um, I'm looking forward to that. That's that's my that's my landing that's what, spot. That's for what them. you want, the Tigers, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, and he's a, you know, again, if, if you're heavy into this analytics, you're going to overlook him. And you're, you know, how goofy is that? You overlook a guy that's going to have 175 hits. Right. Um, Howie Kendrick is a free agent. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, he's he... a good pickup probably on a one-year deal. You know, um, I was laughing the other day. Um, I forget what day it was. But um, the Rays... I kept seeing the thing on trade rumors, and it was like the Rays and Travis Darnot are in in heavy negotiations, and they're going to bring him back, and they're going to sign him, and they're going to sign him, and then like four forty five seconds later, it's like Travis Darnot signs with the Braves, and I just <laughs> think it's funny, and it's just kind of telling that you know you can have all the inside info you want, but at the last minute something can change, and I think that's great. Like we saw it with Zach Granke. You know, it was really between like the Giants and the Dodgers, and all of a sudden, and I told I told a buddy of mine who was heavy involved in the scouting world, I told him I said, "You watch, there's gonna be some weird third oddball team that's gonna come in here and steal it from either one of those teams." And he's like, "Well, I who?" And I go, "It'd be something strange and out of left field, like 
Baltimore or somewhere else. And it wasn't as strange. Arizona wasn't as strange as if the Orioles jumped in there at that moment to sign them. But it was a third oddball team that just went over the top. And I think, you know, and this is, Travis Darno is not a Zach Greinke signed by any means. Um, but I, I think it just goes to show that, like, you could have these players projected to go somewhere. There could be all this, like, talk and evidence that that's where they're going. That's where they're going. All it takes is one team to pick up the phone and go, yeah, we'll go one year longer and $8 million more, and it's done. And those talks literally could have taken five, six minutes. Meanwhile, there's another team that's been talking to the agent for, you know, three weeks, four weeks, a month and a half, three months, four months. You know, the talks could have even started, you know, if it's a re-sign with the club, you know, Boris could have been talking to the Dodgers about Ryu starting in August. Right. You know, and then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, Ryu's going back to the Dodgers. And then last minute, it's like, nope, he's off to Seattle or wherever he's going. So I think it's just, it's just, it's a fun time of year because really anything can happen. It's a fun time of year. Um, and if you don't, if you don't know what goes on inside the industry, um, it's a, it's an interesting time of year, uh, mostly for all the different, actually, scouting departments. Um, if we focus right now on, the pro side, we're talking about major league, minor league signs. Typically right now, uh, a, a major league scout or a, a pro scout for an organization is putting together or has already put together a prep list of the guys that they like, um, that they want to acquire, that they've seen over the year. Um, guys are getting on and off, put on and off the 40-man roster, so they're being exposed to waivers. And you're going to get emails and text messages from your director and from the assistant GM and GM pretty much every 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 couple hours even in this holiday season time hey what what's uh what do you got on this guy like what should we claim him should we go after him who would you move off the 40-man roster for this guy um as the trades materialize you're going to get um a lot more information you start planning for the rule five draft you you got your organizational prep list all in place and it's pretty busy actually um and this is for, for a pro scout in my days doing this work it's the most fun time of the year because you see all your work from March or right. February all the way to the end of the season kind of come to fruition. This is, you know, you, this is the trade deadline. Yeah. If you're on a club that you're making a trade with. Right. Yeah. This, this is like the, the, the next week or two leading up to the winter meetings is when you're really excited because you get to pinpoint guys that you want to acquire and, and sort of nudge those guys in and, and say, hey, I really like this guy. Don't forget about this guy. Um, this is this is the time for for pro scouts and. You know, for, for scouts that are doing international and amateur, it's still an active time of the year because you're getting you're getting everything prepared going into January uh, when you hit the ground running. So uh, amateur scouts, as you were on the amateur side, you know, you're making a lot of home visits. You're you're, you're getting your prep list in place for, for, for the following spring and summer and your schedule in place. And so it, it might seem quiet, but there's a flurry of activity going on. Oh, yeah, it's really busy. Time. Yeah. yeah, it's off-season for the players, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, it is it's it is a good time. It's, uh, you know, it's exciting. And it, the best part is is you, you have a chance, if you're from a fan's perspective, like you have a chance for your team to get better. Like if you're a White Sox fan, you're still not satisfied, but you're happy with the progress they've made so far this winter. And hopefully they continue down that path and – um, you know, to hop into spring training with some new, new, fresh players that have a chance to make an impact. It's, it's exciting, but this is the time of year where that work really gets kind of pushed over the finish line. It starts way back 
you know, when last spring training, two seasons ago, whatever it is, but, um, you know, you, you really start to see, um, you know, some of those deals and some of those signings and acquisitions that get pushed over the line. Speaking of deals, um, our good friend JP Morosi just, uh, broke a story this morning and it became final just while we were talking. The Brewers and the Padres have just made a trade. I saw that. Um, and we, we're, we're on this podcast, and I think it's very well known that we sometimes scratch our head at the Padres' moves. This is another one for me. Luis Urias, who has a potentially a seven, 70 grade hit tool, um, can play very good defense at second base. I They're, saw him in low A, and he could, he could hit. I yeah, mean, he, he was like hit. a for sure yeah. dude that was going to hit like a 300 hitter at the big league level. Right. That's There's a not many of those. 70. At least now he's um, he's a young guy. He's only twenty one years old, and San Diego has already given up on him. They've traded him to the Brewers for Trent Grisham, who's an outfielder. San Diego is I don't know what they're doing with their outfield. They have Franchi Cordero, they have Manny Margot, they have um, what's our guy and the Will Myers over there. Trent Grisham. It's not my guy. I don't like Will Myers. <laughs> You know what I mean. Trent Grisham was a first-round pick by the Brewers. Um, he's made his Major League debut this year, um, especially towards the end. He got some playing time while um, Christian Yelich was out. Um, not a guy that moves the needle for me. More of a fringe average Major League guy, more of a platoon guy. I think that's what maybe the Padres are going for. And then the Brewers are going to put Urias apparently at shortstop because they have Keston Hira. At second base, who really can't play shortstop. Urias is going to be limited, I think, with the arm there. So I don't understand the trade. I mean, this this is about me. Zach Davies was another piece. Pitched very well for the Brewers for the last couple of years. He's moving to San Diego, and Eric Lauer is going to Milwaukee. Not the biggest trade in the world, but Urias has the potential there to be a 300 hitter in the big leagues. Well, yeah. I don't know why the Padres are giving up on him or what they I... got at second base. Yeah, that one I don't, you know, again, I it's it's not like he was, you know, he's not anywhere near free agency. There's really 21. no, he's 21 years old. Like, why are you moving him at this point? Um, I don't know. The only thing, like when something happens like this, if it wasn't the Padres, you would kind of wonder, like, maybe is there some clubhouse unrest or did they just got to get him out of there for whatever reason? But because it's the Padres, it may be that. But it also <laughs> may just be one of those head scratching deals that, you know, uh, it's, yeah, it's 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 really weird. I saw that and I was like, this doesn't really make sense. Doesn't make sense, Urias. From a Brewers standpoint, they clearly at this point have won the trade yeah. just because of Urias. Yeah, and they didn't really give up much. No, I mean that's the other thing. If you're going to get a player of that caliber, you would think the return back would be. <sighs> It would be a lot bigger. You know, if this was a different club and Urias was on, let's say, I don't know. Let's say the Dodgers. Okay. okay. A team that's so close, still has some holes they need to figure out. Um, but so close to mm-hmm. winning the World Series, to being a perennial playoff contender like they have been for the last 12 years or whatever it's been. Mm-hmm. If you were going to trade... Not Julio Urias, but Luis Urias. <laughs> if he was in your system and you were able to get back like a frontline starter for him or piece, yeah. or something that was going to be a right now big league, you know, dude for 2020, 
yeah, fine. Makes sense. But for a team that is nowhere near even even thinking about contending, to trade a player like that does not make any sense at all. Yeah, um, that one's got me. Um, speaking of not making any sense, as we switch gears here, I'm trying to make sense of some really big news that was announced while the World Series was still going on. And we've been getting some, uh, some of our listeners are asking us our opinion about it. Um, I think it's a very divisive issue. I think it's a very uh, contentious issue. I think there's a lot of different sides and factors. And I think it's worth a discussion from us because I think we've been involved, both you and I, uh, in, in many of the places that are in jeopardy here of losing teams. And that is Major League Baseball has announced that they might be uh, eliminating over 40 teams, 42 teams to be exact, and completely restructuring the minor league system after the next year when the, um, when the player agreement uh, between minor league baseball and Major League Baseball is, um, is up for renegotiation. Um, I, my, I'm going to tell you where I was standing on this, Louis. When I first read it, a scathing piece of Rob Manfred on the New York Daily News. I'm not really sure about New York Daily News, but um, to essentially, it's called the Houston Plan. <laughs> and I guess the Astros were one of the teams that pro- were promoting this, which was to cut about uh, yeah, like two teams from, from each, 42 teams, so it was about two teams, roughly one and a half teams from each team uh, team's affiliation. Um, that would be mostly in some of the short season leagues and the rookie leagues. So the New York Penn League, the Appalachian League, Northwest League, and Pioneer League. Also some South Atlantic League teams, some Midwest League teams would be restructured. Teams that were identified as having inadequate facilities um, that needed major upgrades or there was like the distances were too far. And then there was this other argument that, and we've talked about this extensively, that so many of the players in the minors are really never going to be major league players. And as scouts, we know that. We identify them. We're like, why is this guy wasting our time? Why is he here? How many times have you sat there writing reports of, we call them NPs, non-prospects, or role, organization role players that really just are fillers? They're there so the prospects can play. Right. So with that elimination, they are potentially looking at saving hundreds of millions of dollars, which I think MLB would then turn around and go, okay, we'll pay the minor leaguers more money with this. You would hope. You would hope. but No guarantee of that. That's to be seen. Um, I, th- I think there's so many issues here. Now, Congress is, a lot of congressional leaders and municipalities are up in arms about this, Louis. My first reaction was, this is terrible, right? Because we have a minor league system. This is great for some of the towns and, and communities across the country that where people don't are so far away from a major league town and a major league city that that's what they have. And they're going to see a future major leaguer come through there. They're going to see a Fernando Tatis Jr. or Vlad Guerrero Jr. come through their small town in New Hampshire or Oregon or Montana or West Virginia, Mm -hmm. places that are far away from major league towns. So this was alarming at first. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, wow, this... This, this makes sense. It does. It does and it doesn't. 
eliminating some of the drive times, restructuring the leagues. I remember being on the road and having to drive 10, 12 hours in the Midwest League from one side to the other side, and you lose days, and you lose guys aren't sleeping, guys aren't productive as much, guys are eating and, and terrible food, and they're training to be big leaguers, and they're playing in terrible conditions. On and, 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 and as I more I studied this, I'm like, there's some sensibility here, but I think there needs to be a few more tweaks. So what, what was your thought? I mean, what is your thought thinking on this? So similar to you, there, there's two sides, and you do have these towns... Um, you know, you can pretty much tell the size of a town based on what level of baseball they have. Professional baseball. Um, you have a town like Des Moines. I love Des Moines. Des Moines, Iowa is a great town, but it's not a big league city. Uh-huh. But they have the AAA Iowa Cubs. Mm-hmm. You have a town like Davenport. Quad Cities, River Bandits. Right. My favorite places to scout, Davenport's great. Not a big league city no but then you have other places you know like nashville or um you know uh, like outside of knoxville you have a double a team so like you said you those towns that's their big leagues Mm -hmm. so to take those teams away some of these places have just built brand new stadiums some of them you know a lot of a lot of big league clubs have now purchased their minor league teams Mm -hmm. So you could own a minor league baseball team and you essentially sign typically about a two-year deal with, let's say, the Milwaukee Brewers to have their high A team there. Well, you're the owner. You own the stadium. If you don't keep the stadium up and the clubhouse nice, the Brewers, after two years, can say, see you later. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, to the club's advantage to have these short-term deals. And then at some point, Owners were like, well, why don't we just buy the minor league teams from these owners and then we can control it forever. And then, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have we know where we're always going to be and we don't have to worry about the facilities going down the toilet. So I don't like it from the standpoint of some of these towns are going to lose. Des Moines not losing the Iowa Cups, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's obviously a higher level. But you have, you know, let's say, I don't know, the South Atlantic League. You have Augusta, Georgia, Giants, low A team. If they get bought out, what are the people in Augusta going to do? Now they got to drive to Atlanta to see baseball, and it's just not feasible. It's a lot more expensive. That's the other thing. Minor league baseball is relatively inexpensive compared to the big league game. The other point is, you know, similar to your point, I've seen a lot of minor league baseball. I've seen way more players that didn't necessarily belong than players that did belong. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, on a, a on a low A ball roster, there's maybe, if you're lucky, maybe one guy that may play every day in the big leagues, maybe two guys that may get to the big leagues, and realistically, the rest of them aren't. Mm-hmm. So if you eliminate some of those teams, you're going to have better competition, mm-hmm. in theory. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have less what we would call org players or non-prospects. What's what's fascinating? So there's two there's two sides to this that I really want to go a little bit more into. Your point of like a typical low A roster, and the reality is only two, three, four, maybe guys. And it is hard to sit is and sit here and quantify that because every team is different, every year is different. But sure. we're just saying like there's a there's an average. Like you you'd say take take twenty guys. 
or take 15 guys right off the bat and go, yeah, you're, there's no shot. And then you got probably 10 guys that you can work with. Right. And then of those 10 guys, probably half of them make an appearance. And then only maybe one, two are like everyday guys or stay right. in the big leagues. It's that's sort of the sort of like what we're what we're approaching. I remember my first year of pro scouting. I want you know you want to write up everybody because you you know you you're dreaming on them as, as right. they say in the amateur side. But the re, the reality is is that you need to be realistic. And so in being realistic, it would be it'd be really great for organizations, for players, for our country, for baseball to be realistic. Let's be realistic, okay? We don't need all these players in the minor leagues. We don't. Let's take and create with some of these towns what they're calling a dream a dream league, an MLB-sponsored independent ball league where the dreamers are the guys that aren't good enough by whoever's definition to make the big leagues. They're in this league, and they're playing in these small towns, and it's essentially like another version of independent ball. And you can still go in and sign one of those guys, but they're not part of your system. And I think that's a great idea because... Here's the other thing. We are wrong. Sometimes we miss guys. Sometimes here's a here's a guy I miss, Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt for the Yankees. I had him as an org guy. I was like, why is this guy in the minor leagues? You know, he'll make it to AAA and that's about it. And he hit over 20 home runs this year in the big leagues. So we are wrong about players, scouts, organizations. Oh, all the time. Organizations mm-hmm. give up on guys a lot and they turn out to be big leaguers. And baseball is that one sport where you can overcome those things. But that being said, the percentages are extremely low, and usually this organization's scouts, typically in the industry, tends to be right about players for the most part. And I, you know, it, some of the facilities. I'm sorry. Have you been to Clinton, Iowa? It's terrible. That that's not a minor league. That's a you know. Have you been to Beloit, Wisconsin? That's not a. They're playing at a high school field. The future I've major seen a leaguers. lot of high schools that have better facilities exactly. than some of those. Exactly. Like, it's and really then, sad. And then I'm looking at the South Atlantic League map right now, and I remember doing this a couple of years ago. I had to get from Lakewood, New Jersey, to Charleston, South Carolina, and then up to Lexington, Kentucky, to follow a team. And the, the travel time was absurd. Yeah. The, 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 you, you, the team's taking a bus. I, you have to take a plane, but... It, it's it's really you got to be. You couldn't even fly better because some, some of these places, places don't have an airport, before, and you're right? you're ending up flying somewhere and driving four hours anyways. You, you know, spend all that time waiting to get on the plane. You got to be better. We 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 definitely need to restructure geographically some of these places, and I think that would help tremendously in travel costs, in providing better uh, treatment of the minor league players, better health. Um, and and then it's better for the environment. I hate to say it, but like just eliminating the all that travel. So, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons to restructure, and I think that's a really good point. You know, the thing that worries me though is like if you get rid of like the Northwest and the Pioneer, like these are places where, you know, your your closest big league town is is Seattle. Right. You know, that's a that's a that's a day long journey driving. That's you can't even really fly there for some of these. Right, and then when places. you get there, it's six hundred dollars out right. the door. So you know that's that, the game. That's I think the biggest concern. Yeah, I, I think it's a huge concern. I mean, we've seen MLBs. I don't know. I think like the London thing. I honestly, in my heart of hearts, I think MLB did it because the NFL's been doing it, and they felt like they should do something. Um, 
you know, we'll see kind of what the draw is this coming year with the Cubs and Cardinals. It's not nearly as the draw internationally for the Yankees and Red Sox. No, you know, obviously it's a great rivalry. There's two great organizations. It's not a knock on the organization. It's just do the Cubs and Cardinals have the same appeal in London, England, um, that the Yankees and the Red Sox? I mean, we ran into people that came from Germany and came from other parts of Europe. Are they going to do that for the Cubs and Cardinals? Maybe. I don't know. We'll we'll see next June. Um, but to if we're talking about growing the game and we have to forget about the people that are 60 years old. Yeah, there's still fans. They're still going to come. And But if you're going to grow the game and if you want baseball to be this $10, $20 billion industry, you need to grab and capture the, audi- the audience of the YouTube you, generation yeah. of the five, six, seven, eight-year-old, nine-year-olds. Those people are going to be around 40 years from now. Those people are going to be taking their kids to a baseball game or to do something else. That'll be the choice. And if you start to eliminate some of that sport, if you're growing up in Greenville, South Carolina, mm-hmm. and the Greenville Drive, it's a drive, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Red aren't, Sox. Aren't there thing. anymore. What What are you going to do? Where are you getting your baseball? And it's one thing to watch it on TV. It's a completely different experience when you go. And I think you fall in love with the game when you play it. And when you see it live, the TV is just a nice supplemental um, ingredient to the love that you develop for the game. It's a way to see these great players from all over the country, but you really learn to love it by being on a field or seeing that field with your own eyes. And I think when you eliminate those teams, you obviously eliminate those experiences and there's no telling what that does to the, you know, the next two generations. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely love scouting in the minor leagues. I love everything from, as you know, collecting the weird and strange logos. Uh, oh, yeah. All the hats. That's great. The, the, there's a little bit more, I don't want to use the word purity, but it is. It's like some more purity than mm-hmm. the, the game. The guys that are out there, minor leaguers are grinding it out, and it's their long, long seasons. And, and it's just, it's cool to be in these small towns and get to see parts of the country and that you normally wouldn't, and yeah, like we're is if you're a kid in 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 West Virginia, you know, and you got nothing around you, you got the West Virginia Power, you got the Pirates affiliate, you know. I, I remember as a kid going to the Toledo Mudhens games, it was AAA, and, and getting a chance to meet Alfonso Soriano walking from the dugout to the clubhouse because back in the old ballpark that they use, you had to, and in a lot of these places, you do get this these interactions with the players, the stars of tomorrow, and. I just think that there has to be something. There has to be a couple things that if they're going to do this, they do need to create an, like a, an offshoot league with some of these towns. So these towns aren't losing teams or it really comes down to finances and monies. And really the major league teams don't want to pay for the upkeep and maintenance of some of these, these stadiums that needed to be renovated and need to be, you know what they're saying. We need to have the tech now. The Astros plan is because they want to install technology right. in all these ballparks. That's cutting edge. They want cutting edge training facilities they're looking at it like we're this is this we're gonna invest all this money into these these players and most of these players aren't going to play for us in the big leagues. Right. So why are we doing that? Right. That's the major leagues, you know. That and to me, you're just being cheap. You're being cheap. You can invest in that community. You can invest in that town. You can make that ballpark. It might be Quad Cities in Davenport. That's an Astros affiliate. You know that that ballpark. 
needs some needs some loving care. It needs some TLC. The Astros, you can spend $25 million, okay? You guys just won the World Series and we're in the World Series and have that you have a couple minor league guys go through there. Show some love to your affiliates and re, maybe reorganize your affiliates to be closer to you then. Okay, we can do that. Maybe instead of the Cubs being in Myrtle Beach, the Cubs take quad cities, mm-hmm. right? And, yep. and, and so we can look at different ways of reorganizing and restructuring this. But the point is, there is enough money to pay minor league players more in this industry and to refurbish some of these stadiums and get them up to speed. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to. It comes down to money. And that, I think, so while I do agree that, yeah, we could probably trim trim some fat and take away some of these players from this league, I still am like on the fence because I know that at the end of the day, what your point was, you need to grow the sport. You need to be in these small towns and communities. Not even some of them are not even that small, no, right? No, like I mean, not. Green. You mentioned Greenville. Greenville is not a small no. town. That's a bigger town in South Carolina. It's a great town. Columbia, South Carolina, has a brand new ballpark. That's the Mets single A team there. Asheville, man, Asheville is one of the coolest places to go in the U.S. If you've never it's, been in North Carolina, it's kind of amazing. Yeah, yeah. And it's an old ballpark, and it's a bandbox. But there's history there, mm-hmm. and you're right on top of the field, and the people there are friendly, and they got great breweries there. <laughs> yeah. And it's a it's up in the Smoky Mountains in North Carolina and in Appalachia. I mean, Major League Baseball, we got to do a better job. And I I think this looks really, it's just a bad look. There's a better way of doing this. Well, and I think part of the problem is I think organizations do have too many players. I mean, you look at the Arizona, so. I started in player development in like 2005 and I started in the Arizona Rookie League. And there were, well, there were 15 teams at spring training in Arizona, but there weren't even 15 teams in the Arizona Rookie League mm-hmm. because I, I don't think like the Rockies had a team in that league. I, I, they For some reason, there were teams that didn't have a rookie ball club in Arizona. And the Arizona Rookie League is basically mirrored with the Gulf Coast League. Players stay at the minor league facility. They play there. It's a short season. Starts like middle of June, ends the end of August. But now, I don't know. There's like maybe almost 30 teams because a lot of these teams now have two Two teams. teams. That to me is ridiculous. Now, I do know some of the reason is instead of having, um, because there's also the Dominican Summer League Mm -hmm. and the Venezuelan Summer League. And I know that teams are starting to bring some of their top young Latin players, instead of having them play in the Dominican, they bring them to Arizona mm-hmm. and that creates bigger rosters. But you don't you can still do that without having two teams without having the bigger rosters. And the other piece of this whole conversation is shortening down the draft. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into that. But if you shorten down the draft, then you're not bringing as many players into camp the end of or middle of June after the draft. You can still bring those Latin guys up and you can fill out a full roster. I think there are too many players. And I think if you're going to cut certain places, I think the first thing you do is you allow teams, only one team in the Arizona Rookie League, only one team in the Gulf Coast League, and do it that way and start cutting there. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you don't want to pull a team out of Salem, Kaiser, Oregon. You don't want to pull a team out of Boise, Idaho. You don't want to pull a a team out of... uh, uh, place of Mont- Billings, Montana. Billings. <laughs> you don't want to do that in Wyoming. You don't want to do that. There's no, yeah, you can't have a big league team there. 
town's not big enough. It's not going to support it. But they do some more support their minor league baseball. Right. So you can't you can't do that and then expect the game to be as profitable and as flourishing as, as it is now 15, 20 years from now. It's not going to happen. You know, they're talking about shorting the draft and also moving the draft to later. Mm-hmm. Moving it to later and then basically saying, saying to these players that get drafted, oh, you're not playing for the rest of the year. Yeah, you're you're gonna you're gonna because they started. Let's say if you were a college guy or high school guy, you're starting in January, February, and then they're shutting you down. The draft is July, and then they shut you down. To me, that's a lost season. That's a lost opportunity. And in these these towns that you mentioned in in Wyoming and Montana and in Oregon, that's short season. That is after the draft. These leagues get Most together. You know, draft, I we had a guy that, that came out of our international stars program, Mateo Boki, who. Went from the rookie league in Arizona, pitched there for a couple of days, and then went up to um, to pitch in Oregon for Eugene, the Eugene yeah. Emeralds. So, and what a fantastic experience for him! What a great opportunity for him! And next thing you know, he pitches in AAA a couple weeks later because the team, the Iowa Cubs, were nearby um, Tacoma. in Tacoma. Yeah. So, if you don't have that opportunity, if you're cutting that, you're not getting. The evolution of the player is 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 not going in a, in a traditional way, and we have to t- totally reimagine what we're doing with with player development. And that's to me, it's about playing baseball. So they yeah. want to take these guys and right. the draft later, and then have them at the complexes just working out. Right, it's not the same. But the draft is the draft is just like the World Baseball Classic. There's never a good time to do it. The other issue you have with moving the draft back, let's say to like July or August, is you then really handcuff the college recruiting system because now college recruits, a college recruits a player and he's a high profile player. And let's say the player's going to Vanderbilt. Well, the player ends up going the second pick overall in the country. He's not going to Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. I know that there's a college experience and all, but there's no college experience that rivals millions and millions of dollars in getting to go play professional baseball. I don't care what college it is. I don't care what it is. At some point, the pro experience is way better than the, quote, college experience. Mm-hmm. And I heard that all the time when I was an amateur scout. Mm-hmm. Oh, I really want the college experience. So you're saying to me, if some team is willing to pay you $6 million, you're still going to go to school and play college baseball? Right. Some people say yes, mm-hmm. and it usually Backfires usually does not work out very well. They never ever see anything near that six million dollars. But well, he still got a lot of money. Yeah, Um, (laughs) but it didn't work out for the the club that took him, the Astros. Um, So, so where I'm going with this is, if you if you move the draft back in the summer, and let's say it's after the College World Series, which now almost ends the the beginning of July. July, That's fine, but you have to come up with some sort of declaration. You also maybe have to institute something where maybe every college level is eligible, like in basketball, but you have to go play a year of college, whether that's a junior college or the four, like no more high school draft. Mm-hmm. I don't think that'll fly. I don't necessarily agree that. I don't think that necessarily is a good idea. I think there's a lot of things you have to take into consideration. One of the arguments is that I read, well, if you eliminate the draft rounds 21 through 40, it used to be 50 not so long ago, and they moved it down to 40 rounds. If you eliminate it 21 through 40, you're going to miss out on Mike Piazza Mm because he was like a 
38th round pick mm-hmm. or whatever, or maybe even later than that. They used to, like a long time ago, they had as many rounds right. as teams wanted to draft. Right. So there was going, like yeah. 78 rounds. Right. If there were like four teams left, still picking players. Right. My point is, with against that argument, for every Mike Piazza that was drafted in the 8,000th round, there's millions of players that were drafted in that round that weren't worth anything. Right. Just like the whole independent ball argument, there's teams that spend so much time in independent ball, and like there's big leaguers in independent ball, and like, yes, for every Rich Hill... There, that went to independent ball to figure it out and get signed and go back and have this the career he's had, there's about a million that haven't. Right. So it's a needle in a haystack for sure. Is it possible? Yes. Is, is it likely? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. So if you eliminated, maybe you go to round 25, you eliminate a rookie ball team that's that already has a team here. So you go from two teams to one team, you eliminate you know, 15 to 20 rounds of the draft. I think you're moving in the right direction. I don't know where you put the draft. You leave it where it is, probably. Because you can't move it up even further because of the, the baseball season. But maybe you do do some sort of declaration of, I'm declaring for the draft. I'm a college junior. I'm going into the draft. I forego my eligibility. You know, that obviously helps a college recruit. If you eliminated the high school draft and the colleges don't suffer because there's no chance of them losing that high school player. Mm-hmm. There's just so many different pieces and there's no quick, there's no 800 page article written in some publication that's going to solve it all because it's way more complicated than that. Right. But I, you know, to eliminate some of the teams, I would vote yes, depending on where you're starting to cut. I look rookie at rookie ball. Yes. So rookie ball, like you said, you get one rookie ball team. I'm fine with that. Now you're going to short season. You can even have a roster up to 40 at the rookie ball level. Sure, move guys around. Yeah, this and that. Right. Then you have short season. I love short season for like we talked about. Guys coming out of college, you don't lose a year of development. You you know, you know go right to short season, and it's helpful for these towns. Where I see, where I see the way to eliminate is at the A ball level. Because mm-hmm. right now we have low A and we have high A. And we have an entire league, the Florida State League, that's in, that are playing in the complexes. So you have Gulf Coast League going on in the complexes, and then on the minor have, league side, the minor league side, right. and then you have the, the the Florida State League going on, playing in the big league spring training facilities. Except for there's a, you know there's a couple of teams right. here in the they area, have their own state. You have like Daytona, you right, know, as as right. a team, for example. Um, so there's you know there's a possible market of or whatever a loss, but the high A and the low A, that's where the merging has to happen, I think. Mm-hmm. And you can be more regional based. You have the Cal League as a high A league. Maybe just make A ball across the board yeah. and have some teams in the Midwest, some teams in the South Atlantic League, some teams in California, and you know ten teams in each league, thirty clubs. There you go, boom. Right. And then the other teams that if you're losing something there. Then you become part of like let's say that's this dreamers mm-hmm. league or whatever you sure. want to do, but that's really where that that needs to be. I like short season, and and as far as the draft goes, I still we we talked about this back at the College World Series time, Major League Baseball. Why don't you do College World Series, the draft, and All Star Weekend all at the same time right. in the same place? You know, I, okay, maybe not the same place, but. Do the do the College World Series and then have the draft 
Like yeah, you could do the draft weekend. in Omaha in the same place. Do the draft in Omaha. Big League All Star Weekend obviously do moves it. around the country right, sure. and is in big league ballparks. But but, do, but yeah, have the draft at the World Series or like the day after the World Series. Don't do it before the World Series. No, that that's ridiculous. And so I do agree that moving the draft would be helpful in in some cases. And I, I like your point about the declaration. I don't know if I'm so much on board with saying that you have to do a year of college because the it's unfavorable when you're looking at the international players that are able to sign at 16 years old, well, right. 17 years old, and as an American, you can't sign until you're, you are got to play a year of college and you can get kids from the DR that come in at 16 or 17. I think we need to make it more equitable. So I think at age 18, you're eligible, meaning that you can declare an, out of high school, but then you're, you're foregoing your eligibility. Yeah. So you, basically you're getting the top, top guys right. that are going to go. And then the other guys, you got junior college, you got D2, D3, NAIA, D1, whatever. You have all these different options. But I like the declaration. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great idea because it, it forces the players that are really serious to make a decision about yeah. their future. And it forces the clubs to really hone in on the guys that are serious as well. That helps amateur scouts and scouting department jobs. And we're, we are going to go to a global draft. And I think yeah. that will be at the back end or it will be a little bit separate, but you'll yeah. have now players from the DR involved and from Venezuela and from Mexico and from Europe and Australia, still not which, in Asia. Which, to me, creates the same problem all over again. Now there's more players. Because if the draft goes, if there's an international draft, teams are going to just take guys to take them. The declaration idea, and if you do it early enough, like May 1st or something... The scout's job is hard enough as it is. And then you throw in the signability, which the signability is, is this is this kid going to sign? Mm-hmm. If we take him, is he going to sign? Because you don't want to take a player in the second round to have him go to college because now you've wasted a second round pick. There's no compensation for that. Mm-hmm. So part of the scout's job is to figure out what is it going to take for this player to sign? I understand the process. I understand what why it's there. Mm-hmm. But to me, from a, a scouting standpoint, if you have a high school player that is telling you it's going to take $5 million for him to sign and not go to school, I'm going to really be wary of that guy. Mm-hmm. Because it's one of two things. Either that signing bonus is an insurance policy for when he doesn't play in the big leagues, mm-hmm. which scares me to death. I always told I always told players, every player I have in meeting. I want you to understand that your signing bonus, no no matter how large or how small it is, this is not an insurance policy. If you view this as an insurance policy, well, if I don't play in the big leagues, I'll at least have my $5 million. That is a frightening thought for a Mm -hmm. scout. So if you have a declaration, the player obviously has to do his homework. Those players at that level, yes, they do. They do have agents. The agent needs to do the work and say, hey, look, you're probably going in the first three rounds. Is that good enough? And it's not a conversation with scouts now. It's a conversation with the family and the agent. Mm -hmm. And the player then at that point has to say, yes, I am good with the bottom of the third round money. And I'm that kind of a player. So I'm going to jump into the draft. Mm -hmm. And now there's no discussion. There's no... There's no last minute, well, I know you offered me $3 million like I asked for, but now it's four. Because that happens too all the time. And that all that tells to me is that kid's scared to death of going out and failing. Hmm. And if you're scared to fail in this game, you will, and you'll never make it. 
you know, we're, we're talking about this, and it's not like we've watched a couple of games of baseball. We've both been on, on various sides of this industry for a long, long time. And, and so if you're a listener out there and, and you're hearing this, this is coming from a scout that's been on the ground that has signed players out of high school, out of college, out of indie ball, out of almost everywhere. And, for, and, and, and from my vantage point, on the international side. And we both had gotten guys on the pro side. So we've, we've scouted all both sides uh, throughout our careers. And I think when we're making the suggestion, we're looking at it from all, all areas. And sure. we're saying, this is what would work better than our current system. Let's find a way to continue to have baseball in small towns across America. Let's find a way where Major League Baseball teams do benefit from their draft, where personnel is doing their job and not wasting their time, where players are getting the money that they deserve and should get. I, I shouldn't say deserve, but you know that the market produces. Right. And let's make things equitable. I think for me, the biggest thing is making things equitable. So the international age and the U.S. age need to be the same. The international player and the U.S. player has to come has somewhat of similar opportunities once they get drafted or once they're coming into the system. Because right now, it doesn't work. It's so it's you're we're, we're they're they're reaching agreements with fourteen year olds and thirteen year olds in other countries. I mean, talk about like waiting three years and signing them. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be cleaned up and that would benefit the sport. And and talk about wasting of money. Signing bonus money is the biggest waste of money that there is because how many players are developing from that those those larger signing bonus monies? You know, you're getting rewarded by doing nothing. Let's let's turn the pay scale where minor leaguers are all getting a certain wage that's better. Where major league um, the major league minimum is higher and let's let's go back to where you earn it you know like where you if you're gonna sign you're gonna earn it you'll see the college game actually get better because if you lower the amount that players can get coming out of high school then you'll see more kids go to college I mean what if the first pick in the draft got a million dollars and then after that it just and it, it does now there's a slotted system there's slot money um, teams are there used to be a slotted recommendation and it's still a recommendation but it's a little more i guess teams stick to it a little more in the last probably four or five years than they used to but if you started the first pick at a million bucks and worked your way down like you do now i think that solves a lot of the issue to me it's an arbitrary system well, of course you're just picking a number and saying that oh well, the the we're we're gonna slot this pick at six million and then everything's gonna be well it's based on last year's pick and the pick in front of it mm-hmm. and this and that but you're right it's it's still, an arbitrary number in a sense because why is that player worth that much right because of last well, year's h- pick history would tell you they're not right so let's maybe re redefine or repurpose where the money flows and how it flows you know I. What about like a bonus scale in minor league baseball too? Instead of spending eight million dollars on your first pick, no, you pick for you pick one one. You spend a million dollars on your first pick, mm-hmm. and when that player gets to A ball, he gets another twenty five thousand dollars. And when he gets to double A, he gets huh? fifty thousand dollars. Even if you paid him a hundred grand mm-hmm. for getting to double A, mm-hmm. it's still a lot less money than the eight point six million or whatever you're going to pay him. It incentivizes the, the player to to continue. Well, to... that's the other thing. I mean, some some of these players come from absolutely nothing, so they end up with two two and a half million dollars in their pocket. Where's the incentive? If you handed me, if you handed me two million dollars right now, yeah, 
would you go to the gym immediately to go do some weight? Well, I mean, it's a little different because I like the gym, but, <laughs> um, but I could make it last forever. Mm. Now I, I don't, I wouldn't go buy four houses and 37 cars, mm. but if you were given a million dollars, no taxes on it. So you're looking at like 1.8 or whatever. It comes out to about a million bucks. If you did it right, you could make that last a very, very long time. Yeah. So your Instagram account would probably be pretty boring, but you could make that money last for a long time. So my the point is, is at what point is the player in the incentive to keep going, to keep riding that bus, mm-hmm. to keep going to the gym in the off season, to, to really strive? Is the dream of being a big leaguer slowly diminished by millions of dollars right out of high school or college? For some guys, it is. You can see... I've seen a couple guys just in the fall league this year that were first round bonus babies going through the motions a little bit. Through it, yeah. Just you don't see the drive there to really excel or the, you know, at some point there's an embarrassment that maybe sets in. Mm-hmm. But they got six million dollars in the bank. How embarrassing could you be? You're gonna be all right. Yeah, you're gonna be all right in life, regardless. I'm always a little scared when embarrassment is the the, the sole motivator. <clears throat> Well, I, I don't know. I, I'm 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 really curious to see what's gonna happen. This is gonna be huge. This is gonna reshape baseball as we know it. I hope the commissioner's office is listening to the baseball spy podcast, Louie, because we I think we came up with some really good ideas, really off the seat of our pants here, you know. Um, it's always I mean it's there's a little thought that goes in, but never scripted, never scripted here at the baseball spot. Yeah, so uh, apologies if you're if you're a listener and you wanted to know what we were talking about on this podcast. We actually didn't really plan what we were talking about on this one. We had two topics. Yeah. Free agency and the cutting of teams. And the the draft. Right, but that was part of the yeah. whole cutting of the team. So, you know, yeah, we you know, it's it's the Thanksgiving holiday and this is uh while you're digesting your your turkey or your stuffing or whatever it is that you're gonna eat this week, um, take a listen. Sit back, listen to the baseball spy. Hope you enjoyed it. Fun fact, I did a little research. Uh, it's not the, tr- the tryptophan or whatever it is in the turkey that makes you sleepy. It's the fact that the house is warm and you just ate like four servings of like of your week's worth of carbs in about a 15-20 minute period of time. What? So that's why you have to take a nap. It's What's, not because of the turkey. Don't what, blame the bird. Is it? Is that? Is that your go-to? Are you a turkey guy? No, I'm not actually. I'm not either. I, I'm not a big turkey guy. I, I find like it to... somewhat dry and unappealing. Yeah. Even when it's like cooked properly, like deep fried or like soaked in butter I, or something, it's still not. I think I'm chicken's better. Yeah. I'm so shout out to chicken on, on Thanksgiving. Sorry, turkey. The baseball spy will be eating chicken. Um, well, not really. I'm not. Well, I'll eat turkey still. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever had a turducken? No. Do you know what that is? Yeah. It's a turkey. It's a it's a duck, duck inside of a chicken inside that's inside of, of a turkey. turkey. Yeah. Yeah. John Madden likes a turducken. John Madden. Yeah. All right. <laughs> We've clearly hit a wall. <laughs> so, for Boomer, this is Louie, and this was the Baseball Spy Podcast.